This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. Hello there. Thanks for listening. My guest this episode is Melbourne Storm National Rugby League player Christian Welch. Christian and I caught up and discussed what life is like for a professional NRL player, how he handles the ups and downs, and what he gets up to away from the field. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Christian Welch, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, living the dream. A professional rugby league player, Melbourne Storm front rower. Uh, at what age did you first think that maybe that was a possibility in your life? Uh, I suppose at high school, I was always kind of wanted to be a professional sportsman and, uh, you know, went to a rugby union playing school in Brisbane and, and tried making that and, and didn't really get too far and uh, used to play in the centres and then went down to my local footy club at East Tigers there in Brisbane played in the centres and under-18s, and then the uh, Storm scout, Paul Bunn, had a bit of an idea to kind of try playing me as turning me into a front rower. So, really? Uh, yeah, because I had a bit of a tall frame, but not much weight on me and a bit yeah. of leg speed back yeah. in the day. Uh, so it was a bit of an experiment from from him on behalf, and uh, yeah, it's, it's worked out Worked out well. all right, yeah. So yeah. what age was that? Uh, it was when I was 18. Yeah. Right, that's quite late to make a, quite a big positional change like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I was a bit of a pretty boy out in the centres. Life was good. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, six months later, I was playing in the middle of the front row. So wow. uh, it was a slippery slope. And did you take to it pretty well? Or did you? Was it just a totally different ball game, obviously? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it in the middle. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's, I'm probably not the most flashy player or most explosive. So it really suits me that it's all based around work ethic and, and ripping in and um, yeah, I don't think if I stayed as a centre, I'd be in the NRL today. So the affiliation, because there's an East Tigers storm, bit of a link there, isn't there, with past players coming down? From yeah, East? because uh, the the Victorian rugby league comp's not too strong at the moment. They have these feeder clubs, and yeah, Brisbane East was one of them, and and Cronulla was one of them back in the day. But now they've yeah. um, got Sunshine Coast. So yeah, well, I was just lucky that I went to school uh, on the hill right next to East Tigers, and and wanted down to when I finished grade 12 and, yep. and give it a go. And then you got picked up by the Storm, by the 20s team? The, was it MYC still then? Or 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. still under 20. So yeah. had a year out, out of school and, and playing at East Tigers and going to uni and then got signed and moved down at the end of that year to Melbourne and uh, joined a host family. Yeah. Uh, it was actually quite an interesting fit out. My host family, still great friends today. And, yeah. But their son, uh, they're a Brisbane family, but their son was in the Australian Ballet. Uh, wow. <laughs> and so they had to move to help him because uh, there was no boarding families or anything yeah. like that. Uh, it was quite an interesting household. It wasn't totally sporty, so I actually really enjoyed it. And um, yeah. the one regret is the 12 months living with him, I didn't really learn how to dance, which, <laughs> which would have been handy because Alex actually in the American Ballet now, really? a full-time worker, is um, yeah, wow. living in New York. And, so you and didn't dancing. get any, any tips for the dance floor? No, simple stuff. No, so. so I'm generally pretty handy after a few pints, but um, <laughs> yeah, I won't go near it. <laughs> uh, how did you find moving away from home at such a young age? Did you did you settle in pretty easy with the the host family? Yeah, I had a great host family, so that was that was really uh, really easy the transition. It was yeah. more the shock of the the body with the Melbourne Storm preseason that that yeah. was really tough. Didn't really get homesick, but you know I'm only two two hour flight back to Brisbane. Yeah, true. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Do they try and resist just putting a bunch of eighteen year old blokes in together in one house is that is the host family generally the way they go yeah they try and go host family but they um had some swinburne uh, student accommodation they they got a few rooms so uh <laughs> that's where a few of the the drink ups after the under 20s <laughs> games were and so there was probably yeah eight to ten yeah under 20 storm guys there yeah, so right. it, was, it was a great few years that probably about you know 20 to 30 guys under 20s have just finished school and, yeah. and moved to melbourne together and didn't really have any friends from the area so it was a really good social. Yeah, that's great. A lot of Queenslanders in there? Yeah, a lot of Queenslanders. Uh, you know, the the rare country New South Wales guy, but mm-hmm. generally because the amount of clubs are in Sydney, they yeah. they generally take a lot of the talent out of that state. So, um, yeah, a lot of Queenslanders and a lot of Kiwis. So well, They've had a lot of success anyway with Queenslanders. <laughs> yeah, they do a good job. You know, yeah. you look at the big three and, and guys like that, they've managed to get down in Munster. So, yeah, yeah they've done a good job. I've, you just mentioned the preseason, the the first one you had here, is the one you do when you're 18, coming here for the NYC, the under 20s competition. Is it the same that the first graders do? The one, yeah. Look, I, I've done. Well, this is my seventh year here now, mm. and I, I think it's even harder. Like the yeah. under 20s, we had this uh, Adrian Jimenez. His name was Tolo. So he his mission was to kind of drive out the soft guys and kind of weed them out uh, if they weren't ready to be at the storm and. And first grade, so um, yeah, there was some really tough sessions and some real, you know, mind games and and because in under twenties you have to come in and train at five a.m. Mm. and do your weights, and then the guys would go off to full time work or study, and then come back at night and train. So do that five or six days a week. It's quite arduous. And yeah, yeah, it was mentally really tough. So and then I've heard about the the ones Craig Bellamy does. The the it's, is it pre pre season like a boot camp you do to start the season where army like an army yeah. drill you, yeah you so there's sleeping it's kind of like an orientation so you're once your first year in first grade um your first two weeks of pre-season is spent laboring on job sites okay. um working full-time so you come and do your weights at five uh go to a job site and you know we work as a removalist um shoveling concrete basically yeah. helping tradies out and on their jobs and then come in and train at five thirty six and and then go home and do that for two weeks straight just to give you a bit of an appreciation of yeah. being a footballer full-time. And then, yeah, the I Don't Quit camp is run by kind of these all these ex-commando guys who are a bit mad. and <laughs> I Don't Quit Yeah, camp. that's what it's called, IDQ. So Great. Um, you go for three days out in the bush and <laughs> generally don't sleep too much and, you know, they, they walk you and walk you and then, then you do boxing and then you do 
Um, there's all these mental challenges. You know, we had these metal bar workouts and you got to hold it above your head in the bush and, and it's these commando guys. You're the only one allowed to talk to them and you don't have a name. You, I was red number two and yeah. there's different colours and and Craig's there watching in the bush. You're not allowed to communicate with any of this. <laughs> Storm starts, so it's quite bizarre. And so you do these metal bar workouts and then they'll get 200-piece jigsaw puzzles and put them on the dirt and you have to hold the bar above your head while these guys solve the j- jigsaw. And then um, the final night, so the first day is very physically demanding. We walk a lot. We were out near Brighton and then you know, you're carried down to Port Melbourne through the water and carrying these massive ropes and then put you on a bus and drive you out past Geelong but you have a diary on the bus so you have to write, you know, 500 words in this diary just to stop guys from being able to sleep on these yeah. bus rides and then walk all night and then the next day is the same. You, um, and then that night they walk you into a cabin and go, righto boys, you had a big day up at 5am, we're going to get it going again <laughs> and then, yeah, everyone knows that that's not happening Yeah, and so they come in 10 minutes later and go, righto, get your shit together. Um <laughs> And so they took us out into the shrub and uh, and you're in teams of six and they said, you know, you can go sleep in the grass here if you want. You've got to rotate. Someone's got to stand guard every 15 minutes. You've got to rotate. And and at the same time, they've placed a massive speaker in the grass with cymbals <laughs> and, uh, you know, just loud orchestra music and just clanging and bla- blasting away in your ears. So you don't really sleep at all. And then the final night, you do this silent walk for about three or four hours Um but they give you a Mars bar and a Coke. So this is two mm-hmm. days into without sleep and physically okay. smashed. And so you have to eat that in front of them to get the sugar high and then you just fall away. And you have yeah. to do the silent walk. And so for four hours, you just walk around this lap of a track. It's about four or five kilometers. And you're not allowed to talk to anyone. There's people in the track, in the bush, away from the track, and they're watching to see yeah. if you're talking. And then they walk you out into the bush and place you one by one in the bush a couple of kilometers apart and you have to stand guard until the sun rises and you have to say halt who goes there uh, and so you, by then you're delirious and you're picturing things and you're you're just forgetting how to talk but like as in Boy, if someone comes up what are the right words and and then so the prize was if you didn't fall asleep because some blokes do fall asleep mm. um, you're allowed to sleep for an hour on the dirt whilst the guys who fell asleep formed a circle and watched you sleep so <laughs> they're just a little stuff like that and then we got the bus ride home, um, riding in our journal. We're thinking, oh, we, we, we're done here. We're going over the Westgate. You know, we're yeah. we're almost home. It's done. And they pulled off to Port Melbourne in this old industrial area, and <laughs> there's this barbed wire fence hanging off, and we we line up against it one by one, and have to start doing dips. And it starts the barbed wire. It's rusted, and it starts cutting into your hand. You're doing eighty to hundred dips at a time, each person calling it out, and then the guys who fell asleep. Uh, had to come out the front and we go, oh, you know, what's going on here? And then we had to hold the position, uh, the, the the weighted dips and, and the, the bar wire's cutting into blokes' hands. There's people <laughs> bleeding in their hands and they get a packet of Tim Tams out and you have to lick the chocolate off the Tim Tam and, <laughs> and hold the position until that <laughs> happens. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's it's you know it's quite funny talking about now, but it's there's a bit of camaraderie. Yeah. You know, once you've done one camp, you can really connect with the other guys. Yeah. And, I suppose it leads into the whole thing that once you're out in the field and you're facing some adversity, mm. you know, this camp and yeah. the preseason is way harder than anything. Yeah. 80 minutes of football can throw at you. And if a packet of Tim Tams comes out on the field, you're going to be able to lick it. <laughs> yeah, we know what to do with those. <laughs> you kind of can understand now why the Storm just are so successful. I guess other teams would try that stuff. They'd hear about it and try and replicate that sort of thing for, 
first time, first graders. But obviously there's extra things that go into it. But to me, that is so crazy. That is, do people break? Like surely someone would break doing that. Yeah, well, yeah, some guys struggle. And, and one of the, we have kind of these honesty sessions. Yeah. You actually, so there's, on my camp, there's three teams of six. There was 18 guys. And in front of everyone, you have to rate number one to number 18. So oh, God. on their performance in yeah. the camp. So it's quite honest and mm. brutal because, you know, the guys rank 17th and 18th. Yeah. And they say, you know, give them feedback. You know, you let them know, you know, mm. you've been disappointed. Yeah. You've been bloody ordinary and um, you've been weak. So there's mm. some quite tough conversations there. So, I mean, uh, it's a bit of a tough one these days because, you know, you look at some AFL clubs who have tried it. The, the D's had some issues. And that, that's the yeah. same company that we do. We do it once. So to, in it, it's your first year at the club. You do it and then mm. generally you don't do it again unless we have a bad season. That's when Bells sends everyone. Right. But, yeah, and, and camps like I suppose like the Adelaide Crows, it's interesting. It's There's probably a bit mm. of a balance between um, being a really tough camp and being a bit over the, over over the board. top. Yeah. yeah. Imagine what they would have done if, if they've gone over the top. If that's like, yeah, that well, sounds absolutely yeah, brutal. Um, without naming names, but is there players that maybe don't go well in the camp that then Craig w- wouldn't pick in first grade as a result? Like, is that what he's looking for? Yeah, I think it just gives Craig a, uh, I suppose, a bit of an honest view of of a guy's kind of mental toughness. Yeah. And, and but you know, generally most of the guys do really well. It's a really tough camp and. It just kind of builds a bit of resilience and we've had some really good performances from pretty much all the groups that yeah. have gone through. Well, yeah, the proof's in the pudding with the results the club always gets. Um, you made your debut for the Storm in 2015, round nine against the Eels. Do you remember much of the game or, or Yeah, I, uh, I got smashed by Anthony Watmo. That's <laughs> my first carry, I remember that. But I suppose it's more the week leading up and I suppose it's a bit of a lesson that you know, you never know how far your, your next good things are around the corner. You just need yeah. a bit of luck. So, the week before we had it was an international round, and we had two. I think Felice Kafusi and Nelson both playing for um, New Zealand and Tonga, and they yeah. both got suspended. So right. there's two guys out, uh, and then Jordan McLean on the Monday hurt his hamstring, and he was ruled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the third guy, and then on the captain's run, there was Tom Leroy Lars had a fitness test with his knee. So yeah. it was the fourth prop that right. was ahead of me, and. Uh, and unfortunately, he failed the fitness test. Yeah, so I needed a lot to go my way just to get a run. Yeah, it was it was really good. And then I think I played ten games that year. And it was, yeah, you know, I certainly didn't crack more than fifteen minutes a game. So, <laughs> but it was really enjoyable to play. You know, debut for the Storm and play with some of those, those yeah. great players. Absolutely. And and you, so you would have been about twenty twenty one at that stage. Yeah, I was twenty. Yep. So it's only a two year period between going from a centre to a front row, and then you're playing. NRL, yeah, it's a pretty big jump. Yeah, and I think that's the benefits of the Holden Cup and the Under Twenties program mm. that's been, uh, I suppose, disintegrated at the moment. Yeah. It's been given back, and and probably for good reason for mental health stuff. But I, I was a real big beneficiary of, you know, I was eighteen years old. I hadn't really made any rep teams, but I was still in this kind of full time system. You couldn't train during the day. We trained morning and night for, you know, two seasons basically of building up the body and was something really important to physically get right and uh you know i was still pretty small i still remember my first run off the kickoff um we were playing in new zealand against the dragons and um early in the game it was at least an arm who's a bit of a yeah, a yeah pretty good front rower and, and he's got a fair whack in him I, <laughs> he ran the ball and there was two guys tackling him like third man in and come and 
a bit of a cheap shot, shouldered him into the into his back, and yeah. he was a very angry man. And then, <laughs> then knowing my luck, we scored a try, and they kicked off to me, and I didn't. I couldn't really see a hooker because generally when you're running off kickoffs, you try and find maybe a hooker or yeah. something to. They're generally a bit of a softer spot. spot. So he was on over the other side. So I kind of ran straight and got absolutely folded. So <laughs> it took me a while to kind of get physically ready. I don't yeah. think I would have been confident in my physicality for probably two years into my career. Okay. And do you just notice, obviously, you, you get smashed there, but do you notice the hits, every hit is, is bigger? Every hit up is a totally different ball game once you're in that arena? Yeah. I, not really. I think because no. we do it. We do so much contact at training and yeah, it's quite yeah. a rigorous pre-season. But, you know, I've got a few friends who are from Melbourne and generally they're more AFL orientated than rugby league and, and they say to them, you know, oh, look at that contact. Every time you can hear that noise and, you know, how physical it is. And then mm. – but then at the same time I look at an AFL game and a, a player's kind of backing back with the ball in the air, standing underneath the ball to take a mark and yeah. some guy's coming in to clean him up from – 360 degrees compared to our game which is front on and and then you know a couple of months ago I went and watched Tasmanian Sheffield Shield side have a mm-hmm. net session before their game against Victoria and just watching the pace of those guys yeah. charging in and you know getting a short ball like I think every sport's got that kind of yeah, yeah. courage or physicality that mm. they don't pay too much attention to in their own sport but yeah. I think other sports kind of appreciate it. You, you mentioned the big three before Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, Cameron Smith so you, you debuted 2015, they're all still at the club playing together. You're 20, you're probably through from 10 to 20, you're a fan of these guys, watching them dominate in origin. That would have been during that reign of nine in a row, whatever it was. Yeah. New South Wales supporters, so I was a nightmare <laughs> trying to forget it. But yeah, was it? were you pinching yourself just running out with these guys? Yeah, it was amazing. And I think when I first got to the club when I was 18 and in the under-20s, you see the first graders coming into the gym and training and I was kind of just – a massive fan and yeah. <laughs> I still was even if I moved into first grade and still debuted I was I remember at Parramatta Hotel and we we're in the same lift as my they flew my parents in and my family for mm. the debut and we got in the lift and Cameron Smith come in to go up to his room and introduce himself to mum and dad and I could just yeah. remember just being you know this is amazing <laughs> yeah. I'm playing with Cameron Smith Billy Slater Cooper Cronk and you know they're introducing themselves to my family and my parent it's just an amazing experience and a real privilege to to have had so many years playing with players of that caliber yeah. and that'll go down as you know, some oh, of the greats. Absolutely. And apart from like obviously natural ability that they've all got, but what what do you think it is for those guys that just sets them apart from your average footballer? Like is it they, they seem to during those Queensland years where Queensland was dominating New South Wales and the storm were going so well, it just seems like a lot of teams are beaten before they even step out there against those sort of guys. They've just got an aura about them where you almost are defeated before you get out on the field. Yeah, and I think, you know, having Cameron Smith, he's probably been there for the whole time that I've mm. been there. It's just his his calmness. You know, we might be down two tries, you mm. know, and 30 minutes left, not that much time. And, you know, he's a very relaxed operator. He's very confident and calm, and I think that flows onto the team. But, you know, to your earlier point, I think the best thing about the Storm culture is that the – our best players are also our hardest working players. Yep. You know, you guys like uh, Cameron, Cooper and Billy, they'd be the last ones out on the training field. And, you know, like a young player like myself coming through the ranks and seeing these absolute champions of our game, mm. if they're still working on their game to improve, you know, Cameron Smith still to this day, uh, you know, he's won everything. He's got the game's record. He's, yeah. you know, 
if anyone can be complacent, it's Cameron Smith. But he's out there fine-tuning, he's kicking, he's goal-kicking, and it kind of flows on to 18, 19, 20-year-old players yeah. in the storm who've done nothing, haven't even debuted, and they go, you know what, I need to, yeah, I need yeah. to, pull, I need to do some extras as well and, and rip in. So I think... You know, those guys are obviously talented, but also combining that work ethic, it's mm. it's obviously resulted in some pretty good yeah. uh, careers. And tough as well. Just the – I know uh, Slater had a lot of injuries here and there with knees and things, but like Smith, he's, he's run of – knock on wood uh, – his run of injuries is amazing. Like he just – he's going to crack 400 games, which is out yeah. of this world when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, and, you know, especially being in the middle mm. and, and it's no secret that opposition teams that – a lot of their forwards try and go at him yeah. and, and spot him up in sets. Um, you know, he makes 40, 50 tackles a game quite regularly. Mm. It's it's amazing his longevity in, in such a real harsh environment through the middle. So, yeah, he's, he's just a freak really. And and in the gym, he's not necessarily too strong. He's kind of built like an accountant. But, <laughs> you know, in our contact drills and our wrestling drills, he's yeah. – he wins every really? one. You know, it doesn't matter. He's the old dog. He's yeah. got all the tricks. Um, That's interesting. He's just a fantastic kind of uh, defender, and he and he knows how to use that without necessarily being the strongest or yeah. the biggest person in that. Uh, twenty sixteen, you had a good year. You played twenty uh, odd games into your first great career, and you're playing a grand final for the first time ever against the Sharks, Cronulla Sharks. Twenty games in, that's pretty crazy to be playing your first grand final. Do you remember much of the week and the lead up to that? The whole event, yeah, it was it was just a bit surreal. We, um, I was kind of in and out of that side, and then ended up getting to have a run through, and it's just an amazing experience. Particularly playing Cronulla was tough because, yeah, it, you know they hadn't won a premiership; it had been so long. And I just remember for the Australian anthem, it was just a sea of light blue, and, yeah. and it was an amazing atmosphere, and it was yeah you know, devastating to lose, yeah, and especially so close and. But, it, you know, it was a really amazing experience and I think Craig Bellamy used kind of Justin Hodges' uh, quote after they lost to the Cowboys in that environment. He just said, I just wanted to go back. You mm. know, that, that he just wants to go back to the grand final and, yeah. um, and get back to there. So I think that resonates with me. It's it's just such a special week and a special mm. game, but it was a bit of unfortunate yeah. to lose. So. Like a fan, I guess, would get over a, a grand final loss in a couple of weeks. Does, how long does it take a player to get over? Do you, do you always have that in the back of your mind or do you just think that's a part of the game? You know, you someone's got to lose that game. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, yeah, it's still a bit sore and, you know, obviously I would have loved to have won that. I would have loved mm. to have won against the Roosters in the grand final. But, you know, at the same time, I like to kind of view my career as it's, you know, it's great to win premierships and that, but... I, for me, it's about the relationships and, and the experiences you have with your mates, your team, your coaches. And I've got some really wonderful times and some mateships out of playing footy and, you know, losing a couple of games. And, uh, you know, it would have been great to win yeah. the grand final, but I kind of – I'm very happy with how my career's gone so far, even yeah, though yeah. I haven't won one yet. But, yeah, well, you've got um, plenty of time to yeah, get back there crossed, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reid. One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellyer and Anne Edmonds, 
musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reed Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereed.photography. Get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now let's get back to the podcast. So yeah, 2017, we just mentioned the Roosters grand final in 2018. Uh, before we get to that, the 2017, you started uh, you started the year great, then had your first major injury, uh, you ruptured ACL in, uh, it was about round nine or ten that season. Yeah, so... We just lost to 2016 and then I think we were eight eight and one. We were on top of ladder and mm. kind of being really dominant in the comp and so it was devastating to do it because I felt like there was something special. There was a bit of was a fair bit of hunger in the group, especially yeah. after the devastating loss. So that was really tough doing my ACL and um, it was a tough year, like being in the grand final. It was a bit bittersweet because mm. I'm so happy for some of my mates who lost with last the previous year, but uh, that was tough being on the sidelines and then uh, I was a bit down at the start, how long it was, and mm. but you know, I, I went to the Epworth Hospital in Richmond to see my surgeon, do the consult about how mm. we're going to do things, and you see people in wheelchairs and suffering from cancer and, mm. and permanent illness and permanent disabilities yeah. that you know, just a dodgy knee is, yeah. is if that's the worst of my concerns, I've got a pretty good life. Yeah, so, it puts it into perspective. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I still get paid the same. I get to work with. Three physios, mm. you know, three gym coaches, full time. Uh, I don't have to worry about where the money's going to come for rent or stuff like that. So there's a lot of people out there doing it far worse than me. So that really helped my perspective on life for that year. I did my knee, did an ACL when I was like 18, and I was playing cricket and footy, just you know, in a in a country town and in Canberra. But and and I was shattered that I had to miss a year. So I imagine when you're a professional sportsman, it's just a little bit more. You know, because you're dealing with contracts and you have a certain window of time for your career. But yeah, it sounds like you there's good things in place for you to get obviously get back on the park really quickly. But also, uh, you would be able to speak to other players that have had that serious injury before, and um, you know, just help you get get over that. And yeah, we've had some Slade Griffin and Matt Duffy, some guys who've mm. been really resilient. They've had two or three yeah. knee ops and, and shoulder ops and. Major time spent out mm. in our physio room at the Storm. We've got uh, Slade Griffin, Matt Duffy, and Billy Slater in there, uh, and their stats. How many days they miss? Some of these guys miss 980 days in really? between first grade games. So when you think about it, it's quite a long time mm. for these guys to be so resilient, and and they were a really good sounding board. Right. So so you you come back in 2018 last year, 2018, getting a bit more game time as well, then make a grand final again. Uh, against the Roosters, who were just absolutely red hot that night last October. What like it was eighteen nil at half time. Like, did you just feel like this is just out? Like it was just out of your control. Like it, it didn't seem like you played that badly. They were just playing extremely well. Yeah, I think that's when we reviewed it. The next couple of days, it was, you know, we acknowledged how well they played. They mm. played a kind of a flawless first forty minutes. Mm. Their forwards were just uh, yeah. possessed. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were amazing, really, their performance. But at the same time, we also said, you know, we're a good enough team that we should be able to play well even if our opposition's playing well. Mm. I think that's an opportunity we missed to try and, you know, if you're going to start like that, we'll start like that as well and we'll try and we'll try and go with you and let's we'll just see how this goes out. But, you know, they scored a couple of early ones and, yeah, it was quite a big margin at halftime. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a little bit optimism, but yeah. it was uh, yeah, it was tough. Yeah. Uh, and then this year, so Storm seem to be very good at bouncing back after. There's a, lot, a few times where they've lost the grand final and bounced back and won the very next year. Um, this year, 2019, which we're in now, uh, you started the year on fire, made your way into my super coach team. Oh, no. Sell. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was at the game. You played uh, the Tigers, who I support, a couple of weeks ago, and you went down with a, an injury again, and it looked like it was going to be your ACL, uh, but you got some great news the following day that it was just a – was it a meniscus tear, was it, in your, in your knee? Yeah, it was just a meniscus tear. So, mm. um, yeah, I kind of heard a similar noise to when I did my ACL a couple of years ago and mm. was struggling to put a bit of weight through it and went in. And it's kind of more like a gold standard test that they kind of test how uh, rigid and how secure your knee is. And both the doc and physio kind of thought, oh, yeah. mate, we think you might have done it. And so I was kind of in all sorts. And, um, yeah, happened to get the scan the next day, which I thought was just a confirmation, really. It's just a tick the box and let's get the operation but mm. turned out to be some fantastic news so yeah. uh, you know instead of 9 to 12 months out and a second ACL up on your left knee mm. it was only you know only hopefully about 2 or 3 weeks out and particularly being off contract it was yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. a major relief yeah hey Daniel here I just wanted to put a quick little update in this episode I recorded this podcast with Christian about 10 weeks ago in late May, I wanted to get a few episodes in the bag before I went over to Edinburgh for Fringe. Uh, since then, in that time, Christian went on to play for Queensland in State of Origin 3, which was awesome stuff. Then, unfortunately, just last weekend against the Broncos, uh, he tore his ACL in his right knee, uh, which will see him miss 9 to 12 months of footy. Uh, I was absolutely spewing for him when I heard the news and just would like to wish him all the best in his recovery and can't wait to see him back on the field for the Storm in 2020. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Now, I want to get into a few things just about uh, life as a footballer. You mentioned you went from a centre to a front rower. Uh, you're 195 centimetres. You played about 110 kilos now, is that roughly? Yeah, about maybe 112, 111. Yeah, yeah. 111, yeah. What do you have to eat, basically, to maintain that size? Uh, like, I think I eat a lot. I'm about 90 kilos, pretty similar height. Yeah. Uh, I, eat, I eat a fair bit of food, but I don't – yeah, what, what are you eating daily just to be able to maintain that? That size, yeah, it's a, it's actually a bit of a struggle. I, I kind of don't put on weight easily, right? Um, and I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily a big eater, but uh, we're lucky. Pre-season training, we we go in, you know, they're quite long days, but we go and have breakfast together. We go and have lunch. Yeah, generally, it's yeah, we work with a dietitian and and kind of have big meals and regular meals. And I think when you're training so much, particularly in pre-season, it increases your metabolism and, mm-hmm. you know, by exercising so much, you're, you're generally going to eat more. And um, But, yeah, it's not easy. It actually takes a while and I think in the off-season, that's a big big thing for me. You know, I went on a bit of a holiday but also tried to add weight because once you actually start training at the storm and start your running, it's mm. it's, it's almost impossible to add weight. Yeah, I think yeah. you, if you're doing well, you're maintaining what you're at. So. Yeah made sure I come back with my weight up and then tried to just hold on to it basically because it's such an arduous, long, lots of running and, and yeah. conditioning. And obviously the games as well is going to you, – you'd lose like a couple of kilos in a game, wouldn't you? Yeah, so in-season is not too bad, especially because mm. we're in Melbourne. We have a away trip every second week. so mm. uh, And obviously buffet spreads at the hotels we go to. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's not actually too hard to – put on a bit of weight during yeah. the season, especially if you're coming off the bench and not necessarily playing massive minutes. Right. So, 
Um, yeah, that's where the good times are. Yeah. <laughs> what What were you when you were eighteen and playing centre when you moved to the? Do you remember how heavy you were? Oh, uh, I think I would have been maybe ninety, ninety five kilos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not big. And do they like do you storm your conditioning coaches and do they have a look at your physique and sort of think one twelve would be a you know, yeah, for your speeds a, and your stamina and yeah, everything, that's what they yeah, try it's and just, hit. Uh, they're, they're quite good at the storm with individual. We've got a really passionate kind of S&C mm-hmm. uh, department and then really professional. So, yeah, I think each year it's kind of set a little target. You know, obviously you don't want to make massive leaps because it's too much and, and your body's not used to it. So I think every yeah. off-season we've kind of adjusted, you know. I think, uh, I think I come down and when I was 18 – I got to maybe 100 kilos playing in under 20s and then got to 105 roughly when I debuted. And yeah. then, so every year I've kind of been building. But it's, yeah. it, it, you know, it's, I've had seven pre-seasons at the Storm and that's, that's generally how long it takes. It's quite a long process yeah, to, yeah. to physically build up. And do you feel the contact is a bit uh, not as harsh now that you've got that extra seven kilos from when you debut? Yeah, I, I think I feel like I hold my weight a bit better in yeah. contact. And But, yeah, you know, pre-season it's, it's much better because we do quite – physical mm. contact sessions um you know when you're when you're winning more than you're losing that's generally a pretty good sign that you're yeah starting to get there do you try and uh, line yourself up with nelson sofa solomona a bit because there's no one bigger in the game than him is yeah. there and i suppose if you're doing a lot of little one-on-ones with him then you're not going to come across anyone everybody yeah. else is going to say oh he's small. he's massive uh <laughs> But you know the, the big dog of the side is Jess Bromwich, so yeah. he's kind of the gold standard. So oh, yeah. I like trying to find him out in wrestle sessions, yeah. and you know he'd be a similar weight and height as you. Yeah, yeah, he's probably about one fourteen, one fifteen. Okay. So yeah. yeah, he's not too far now, but yeah, um, he's the big dog, and he he <laughs> kind of sets the scene for the whole forward pack. Oh, and, that's good. Uh, obviously, Nelson's a massive unit, yeah. and a very powerful guy. Uh, and then obviously we had Sam Cassiano, yeah, yeah. So you get a lot of practice handling in these big, mm. big hooers throughout the whole preseason. <laughs> so, uh, how often during the season do you do you train? Like game week? Do you? I mean, like a weight session? Are you only doing one weight session a week just to maintain the the size? No, they're they're pretty um, pretty not aggressive, but they like to uh, generally two days after a game we'll do a weight session and then. We'll probably yeah, if you can get maybe three sessions in a week, that's doing pretty really? well on like a seven day turnaround. Generally, we'll probably have two, and then mm-hmm. uh, the gym coach will work out which players individually want to maybe do extras. I know Dale Fanukan on his day off, he loves coming in and doing weights. He's <laughs> very intense dude. Yeah. He just loves it and just loves training. And yeah, he's a bit of a different <laughs> different beast compared to some of us who like you know have playing a bit of golf on our yeah. day off. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, and then on captains on the day for a game, some guys like to do a bit of a pump then. So really, yeah. So it's, never it's not thought, too restrictive on how much yeah. weights. I never would have thought you would be doing weights a day before a game. Yeah, so you just scale it back, and it's mm. more of a kind of get to a seventy percent, and okay, just yeah. a little bit of a. It's a little drop in the bucket. Yeah, and are you are you being monitored for overload as well? Like, do they if you've you know played a bunch of games in a row, played a bunch of minutes, done a lot of weights, do they try and taper things down? Yeah, I think. You know, these head of performance guys that are in kind of every club, they all have their own different mm. ways how they do that. Some of them like doing it online on apps on our phone where you wellness apps and go, how I'm feeling, yep. am I tired? Uh, we've got uh, Lachlan Penfold, he's a head of performance and he's a bit old school. He he makes a name, well, he does it every morning. He comes around, shakes every player in the squad's hand 
how you going, mate? What's how you feeling? And it kind of gets around every player, and I think that's how he gets a bit of a bearing on right, on yeah. how how the players are tracking. But they're generally really good at planning, you know, and they'll have the whole season planned out mm-hmm. in November as in what days we're training, and there's a quite oh, right. structured around uh, the draw. Yeah, so you know, seven, six, five day turnarounds. There's there's a set process on how we train and and oh. for the duration. And what do you bench press? Do you do you, do you have goals <laughs> that you set every year to try and beat it? Yeah. So well, when I was in high school, I was we started weights in grade nine, mm-hmm. and uh, I was doing some lower body weights and I was squatting. I think it might have been thirty kilos, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and the bar fell on top of me, and I was like. That's so embarrassing. I'm never doing leg weights again. So I didn't do leg weights probably until grade 12 or yeah. first year out, which was a massive regret. So I just got on the bench press. So I'm actually all right on the bench press. I think, yeah. I'd, I think I'd do about 155 or 160, okay. but you know, I'd much rather squat better. But, yeah. um, and how many reps are you doing for that sort of? Oh, probably just one for that. And then yeah. probably, yeah, 150 probably for three. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, so it's, it's kind of high weights, you know, short short thing but on high weight just to get that big yeah. burst oh, yeah, like size. that might be once a year you'll do that whereas okay. you probably a lot of your sessions are either power like heavy and low reps or mm-hmm. they're kind of speed so a lighter weight and, and how quick Fly you can through it, yeah. Yeah, get that up so there's benefits in both and are you, do you, do you, are you taking a lot of protein powder like a lot of shakes you're constantly on the shakes and things like that yeah um, yeah we have shakes kind of pre and post training pre and post weights uh, it's actually quite stringent because, you know, with WADA and ASADA, mm. you know, putting supplements in your body, it's, you know, whatever you take, it's up to your own risk. So um, they, they do laboratory testing of the protein that's yeah. sealed. It's it's locked away at the club. Uh, you right? have to have a key to access it to bring it out. Yeah, yeah. just because you – just to minimise risk of – You don't want to take – yeah. Yeah, you know, whether it gets mixed up with other stuff or, you know – the 1% chance someone might come in and put mm. some shit in there. So, yeah, it's quite strict with the stuff that you can take. So, yeah. the, the club generally don't push too many supplements because, you know, if you've got a good diet, you're generally halfway there and right. it's generally, you know, the little 5% yeah. benefit of actually taking protein. Right. And do you see water often? Are they popping in just – they just come in unannounced, don't they? And- yeah, they, they just kind of come on in and, and it's funny because some guys like to kind of – I don't do this because like they're just doing their job, but some guys kind of like kind of mucking around with them a little bit. Stir because, them up a bit because basically once they've come and said, "Look, Daniel Connell, I'm here to test you." They can't, you can't leave their site, so okay. yeah. they just follow you. So yeah. they're just like, <laughs> you know, they're nice guys, but you know, yeah. some of these guys they'll just be like, "No, I'm not ready," and because you, it's up to you when you do the test. So yeah. if you've got meetings or training, no worries. So yeah. they just follow you. So some they might come in at eight a.m. and then. You, you might be like, you know, if you're a bit cruel, you might do your test at 5 p.m. and they yeah. just they stalk you all day. So <laughs> uh, they, they come in sometimes, but yeah, they uh, they pop up in some weird places. You yeah. know, obviously they've got your address, you yeah. know, your hotel, post match staff, um, and then obviously we have in house testing, which is conducted by more medical staff mm. that come in and do you're up for a test. Is there a competition running amongst players on how long you can string a? Water official along during <laughs> oh, Yeah, well, some, some blokes like doing that, but yeah, I, they're just doing their job. So. It would be pretty good laugh just to get three days of them following you around, <laughs> sitting outside your house. Um, you mentioned uh, off contract at the end of uh, 2019. Yeah. Is it true that you, you do all your own management? Is it? Yeah, I've, I've kind of been trying to do that. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a bit different. Not many players would do that. 
I kind of thought, you know, I'm mature enough to have those conversations and, mm. you know, and I have. I've kind of spoken to some other – I've spoken obviously to the Storm but mm. also other clubs and other coaches but it's kind of reached a stage where it kind of <laughs> starts getting a bit hard, you know. Yeah. What's your market value? How do you value that? How do you go on to the next step? And someone said it to me. It's like, you know, do you, you go to a, a accountant to get your best tax return and, mm. because they have all the skills. So I'm kind of – I don't have a manager at the moment, but I'm starting to think maybe I need to bring yeah. someone in to okay. negotiate the next one. So um, I'm happy to have a crack at it, mate, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, get on board. <laughs> uh, what made you want to do that yourself? Did you did – you, uh, study any management stuff or yeah so I've done a, um, a commerce degree and um, so I've graduated from uni in Melbourne I did that that took me six years and then I uh, went to Harvard did a little short course on effective negotiation skills really? uh, in the off season so that was good but this off season just gone yeah in October yeah went went for a bit of a holiday to America with some mates and, yeah. and did that but then also finished in Boston and great. went and did that so that was great and I've just started my um, MBA so theoretically I, I feel confident mm. and you know, I feel confident having conversations with people, but I guess because I don't have experience in the actual landscape of how do you know yeah. what you're worth, how do you negotiate yeah. between, you know, your existing club and potential other club and the timings of the market, you know, which other clubs are moving a potential guy on in, in my place that mm. I wouldn't know about or – um, so I guess all those intricacies of managers who are in that environment twenty four seven. That's a benefit I don't have. Okay, with the the MBA and you know studying, I've no, I think a lot of footy clubs do that now, don't they? Where they the storm put you through that, or do you have to pay that? Yeah, sorry, the NRL, do you have to pay for that. Yourself? Yeah, the NRL are really supportive. Uh, we've got a lot of guys just kind of studying or doing mm. carpentry apprenticeships, and it's kind of funny because. Not too many guys go and do a commerce degree or uni. So, mm. you know, where it might be kind of standard, you know, for the general population or AFL players or rugby union players. But, you know, as soon as I said, oh, I'm doing a commerce degree, they think, you know, oh, my God, you're a, bloody, <laughs> you're a rocket scientist. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the NRL is quite big on pushing that uh, as, you know, it's also a bit of a well being thing. If mm. if you just have footy and, and the reality, if you get to 30 and you've, been in the system for that long. That's a great career, but not many guys get that far. Yeah. And the reality, what's the retirement age now? Sixty-seven or mm. something like that. You got another thirty or forty years of work. Yeah, yeah. In reality, and there's only really a handful that will go into media or coaching. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it is a highly paid profession, but it's quite a short profession mm. as well. So, and there's a lot of guys who aren't financially literate. They they love the flashy cars and <laughs> and the holidays and the yeah. Gucci shoes, so yeah, some guys aren't too good with that, and mm. um, but you know, yeah, it's 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 a hard one. And and do, do they help you with finances as well? Like you're saying that some guys are a bit splashy with the cash. Uh, do they try and do you sit down with financial planners or anything yeah. just to give you? A- yeah, sorry, our players association have a financial planning group, and we've done some sessions and that, but it's it's really hard because rugby league's kind of working class, blue collar, mm. you know, and these these guys and these young fellas have come from a lot of the times they've come from nothing they've had really tough upbringings and uh and that's kind of made the players they are so mm. it's it's really hard to uh kind of rewire you know these young guys have just signed big contracts and they want to enjoy the money and i totally agree but also at the same time it's hard to kind of preach kind of long-term thinking with financial yeah. stuff you know instead of buying that you know mercedes like 
getting into a home loan or you know buying a bit of property or something like that kind of uh it's a it's it's a bit of a ongoing thing because yeah. uh it's hard for these guys because a lot of these guys it's the most money they've ever seen in their life mm. and they're quite young and, and they, they want to enjoy themselves and I think that's important as well. I'm not saying yeah. don't go and spend your money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and but in saying that, like there's not many times where you can during a season anyway, where you can really go and do stuff, is there? Like you pretty yeah. much like you, you get by weekends where you might get three or four days off. Yeah. But it's well, pretty your full- man Robbie Farrer is off to the, yeah. uh, the <laughs> yeah. Champions League final, so he's yeah. going all right. But yeah, yeah. there's generally uh, about six weeks in October yeah. where uh, there's nothing really happening overseas. Mm. It's, uh, it's all pretty quiet over there. There's no summer. and Yeah, so that, that's your window to go basically. And then yeah. over Christmas, you only get about, I think it's 10 or 11 days yeah. off. So And generally, you're pretty cooked from training. You just mm. want to kind of put the feet up. Yeah, and have a bit of Christmas pudding. Um, what about off the field? What do you what do you get up to when you do get your days off here and there? What what do you what do you like to do? Well, I like going study? to see uh, pretty average comedians. <laughs> uh, nah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, like a bit, bit of golf, and um, I'm a bit of an old man. I love just going and reading the paper and having a coffee. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I'm not really selling myself out there. Am I? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of just you know, there's a, there's a great group of guys here that. We're all because the way the Melbourne Storm works is there's no real local players, generally mm. one or two, but a lot of these guys are away from their families and also from their high school mates. So, yeah. kind of the team, your teammates at the Storm are generally your social circle. So, yeah. there's always something popping up in the group WhatsApp chat. Uh, you know, we've got <laughs> these very lucky, we've got these cinema cards that get us into any movie we want. Really? Two tickets. So, um, the boys love smashing the movies yeah. and, uh, and, going on the dates and then they say oh you know I'll get the tickets but mm. you know the girl will go get the frozen coke and the popcorn <laughs> and it'll probably cost them 40 bucks for the girl but little does she know the tickets are all free so it's been used many a time excellent stuff uh, and you, you work with a couple of ch- with charities as well you've got a bit of involved in camp quality yeah so when I did my ACL and, and I finished my unity girl I had a bit of spare time because it's such a long process you kind of need to let the knee heal so kind of reached out to it a few charities and Camp Quality were really responsive and said, you know, we'd love to get you on board and love to work with you. So, trained, uh, went to the training day. I'm a registered volunteer and been on a few mm. camps now with the kids. And right, uh, it's just amazing. It's uh, you know these kids are doing it really tough. They've mm. been in you know chemo for six, eight weeks at a time, and they're you know six to eight years old. So Camp Quality work with zero to thirteen kids and families yeah. um, with cancer. So. You know, and you go tempered bowling with these kids on these camps and they've got the biggest smiles on their faces and, mm. and they've got such a tough life um, and, and a massive battle. It's really refreshing. And I yeah. think on the first the training day I went to, a lot of the uh, veteran kind of volunteers have said to me, you know, the first camp you go on will be for you, for the kids. Um, mm-hmm. But then every other camp you go on, it's for yourself because I think I get just as much out of it as, oh, as the kids do. And it's a really... It's a really special thing yeah. to be able to kind of especially use our profile as professional rugby players as a part of the Melbourne Storm, mm. which has a bit of uh, weight around the country. To be able yeah. to use that profile and, and put it to some good is – it's really exciting. Yeah, and it's like I could imagine what it was like. I remember, you know, not that I, I, I was ever in a um, position where I was sick as a child, but I remember players coming to school or coming, just the kick you get out of that. Of saying, especially if you're a fan of the storm and you see players coming, it just can give you such a good lift. And I imagine if you're going through some kind of illness, it's um, a really nice pick me up. Um, but no, that's great. Great to hear 
out there amongst it. Um, just to wrap it up, I've got four or five quick questions. Just sort of, you can just give me one word answers. Fine. Okay. Hardest hitter you've played against? Hardest hitter, uh, Hargraves, Jared Hargraves. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. He's a yeah. good player, and he hits quite hard front on. Yeah, physical, aggressive, yeah. takes you on. It's um, does he say uh, much? Yeah, he got a little bit of lip, but um, you know you can be when you're kind of the big dog. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of guys who have plenty of lip out in the comp. Yeah, Will Chambers is, is a brilliant <laughs> sledger. I'll give him that. He's, yeah, he's one of the best, and it actually works most yeah. of the time. At least he's running better with Gal in the last few years. Has been very entertaining. <laughs> um, hardest player to tackle? Probably Tyson Frizzell or uh, Jason Tomalolo. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, they're not super tall guys, are they? But just nah, huge legs. Almost quick. prefer the tall guys. Sometimes yeah. these guys just rock hard, especially that Tyson Frizzell. They're just yeah. oh, physically, it's real tough got to get your body in front, and especially in the middle. You're lucky you got a couple of guys pretty close to you most yeah. of the time. So <laughs> yeah. hang on and do your best. Uh, and just finally, I play. TRL Touch Rugby League Monday nights. We are looking for players. Uh, what are you doing Monday well, I nights? I to come down. You know, <laughs> might be a chance to actually win a premiership. <laughs> well, don't hold your breath. Actually, <laughs> we got beat sixteen uh, two a couple of weeks ago. Sixteen two. So. You need to hang the boots up. Yeah, it was um, it was a tough night at the office. Uh, well, yeah. Good luck for the rest of two thousand and nineteen. Uh, no doubt you and the Storm will be right in the thick of it come finals time again. And uh, thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, if you'd like to get around Christian, you can follow him on Instagram. It's at Christian L. Welch, Welch spelled W-E-L-C-H. And also get around the Melbourne Storm Rugby League team, uh, check out one of their games at some point, and cheer on Christian. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends that uh, they can subscribe on iTunes or listen on Spotify or my website, which is danielconnell.com.au. Uh, There's loads of uh, other episodes of Taking It Easy on iTunes, Spotify, and the website. Um, While you're on my website, check out my gigs page to see all my upcoming live stand-up shows uh, and subscribe to my mailing list while you're on there and you can find out about what's coming up. And finally, you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook under Daniel Connell Comedy. That is it. Thanks very much and take it easy.